Hello Church, it's great to be with you online this weekend. From Brisbane, where we are in a three-day lockdown. Not what we planned or what we had expected, but we are here ready to continue to worship and glorify our God. Well, trust you all had a great Christmas and New Year's. Some of you probably still recovering from that festive food coma, but never fear. New Year is here, and along with that comes those New Year resolutions like healthy eating, spending more time with our family, and along with those New Year resolutions, some of you have got some big plans for 2021. Some of you had just completed one of the toughest years of schooling you've ever had as you embark on this new adventure of university. Some of you are getting married this year. Woohoo! Liz and Isaac. Some becoming first time mothers, fathers, or grandparents. Some of you are changing career paths or buying a house, moving houses, or even possibly downsizing as you transition into retirement. Whatever it is, 2021 is here, and with it can come excitement or trepidation. Well, I'm still coming to terms that this year is going to be, let's just say, a significant birthday for me. 21, did you say? That's right. Well, we started our preparations way back in January last year. We sourced great around-the-world airline tickets, we had split our six weeks holiday up into two week blocks, making sure we spent quality time with our siblings and with our friends. Our leave from our workplaces had been approved. Thank you, Jono and David. And so June this year, our family should be heading off on a six week holiday to LA, to Spain and to Scotland. But since those plans were made, COVID arrived. Like many of you, I don't think any of us were expecting our world to get hit like it did where the world would come to an almost complete standstill with air travel, where countries were closing down their borders, hospitals were filled to capacity, daily death rates increasing by the thousands, family gatherings, weddings, funerals, now limited to a minimum. Literally, within a few months, our world as we knew it had changed. Life changed in such a drastic way that what we used to consider the norm now took on a whole new meaning. It was normal a year ago to plan a six-week trip with my family. It was normal to think that we could choose any airline and go where we wanted. It was normal to think that we could gather as a family and friends to celebrate significant milestones. Do I think we will be going on a trip in June this year? Would I even want to take my family to three of the most infected countries in the world at the moment? I don't think so. My perspective on how I view the world has changed significantly. So today we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that talks about perspective. So if you have your Bibles or your gadgets, whatever it is, how you hear from the Lord and how you read his word, we're going to turn to the book of Numbers. And we're going to pick up in chapter 13. This is the story of the Israelites camped in the desert. They have been miraculously set free from Egypt. Kids, you need to watch the Prince of Egypt movie. Awesome movie, awesome soundtrack. And they're on this journey to possess the promised land that God has given them. Scholars estimate around two and a half to three years from when the Israelites left Egypt to where they are now in the desert. So it is here that the Lord commanded Moses to send out 12 of the leaders from each of the 12 tribes of Israel to explore the land of Canaan that he was giving them. He gave them explicit instructions on where to go, what to look for, and what to check on and what to bring back. So let's start reading Numbers 13, verses 27 to 33, and we're going to continue on to chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. 
They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites, they live in the hill country, and the Canaanites, they live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose another leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. They said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Father, I just want to thank you for your word this morning. May it open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us today. What I find interesting about this particular story is that all these 12 men were given the same mission. All these 12 men were given clear instructions of what to do and where to go. All these 12 men gathered the same data and brought back the same sample. All of these 12 men were exposed to the same thing. So what was the difference between the two who came back with a good report and the 10 who came back with a bad report? I think it had a lot to do with their perspective and the way that they approach life. Two of them view their mission through what I call a godly perspective, through their belief in God, and the other 10 through a human perspective, their unbelief in God. You know, our perspective has a massive impact on the way we live out our lives. It impacts the way we think, it impacts the way we relate to God and we relate to others, and it impacts the way that we act. When we have a godly perspective, our faith in God gives us a clear and right thinking. We believe in what God says he is. We believe and trust in who he says he is. We trust in what he says he will do. We have full confidence in him, even when we can't see ahead. Like Joshua and Caleb said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can. The land is exceedingly good. And if God is pleased with us, then he will lead us into that land and he will give it to us. They didn't have all the details. They didn't even have a blueprint of what the mission would look like, how long it would take. They didn't even know exactly how or when it would happen. But what they did know was that God would lead them and God would be with them 
and that God would come through on his promise. You know, this particular promise is found over a hundred times in scripture. This was like the promise of all promises for the Israelites, other than the promise of our Saviour, of course. This promise was made to Abraham, then it was passed down through the generations to Isaac, to Jacob, and now to Moses. Joshua and Caleb believed and stood firm on the promises of God. Not just because he said so, but also because they had seen and experienced his faithfulness over the years. So don't forget that these guys had just spent two and a half to three years firsthand watching God perform miracle after miracle, fulfilling the promises he had given to his people. They watched him set the people free through the 10 plagues after 400 years of bondage and slavery in Egypt. They watched him part the Red Sea and save them from the enemies. They saw and tasted the manna and the quail from heaven that he provided to sustain them. Joshua and Caleb, they had no problem trusting God. Now, contrast this with the 10 who had a human perspective. They knew that God had promised them the land, but during those 40 days that they were out there exploring, after seeing and even tasting the best grapes, pomegranates and figs they'd ever tasted, they started to look at their problems. They took their eyes off God and they put them onto their own circumstances. They started to doubt and to let the fear set in and didn't believe that God could overcome. Look at what they said, and I'm paraphrasing here. Their cities are fortified and full of strong and powerful men. Our enemies are massive in numbers. There is way too many of them for us. They are huge, like giants, and will completely destroy us. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea after all. Maybe Moses has got it wrong. What on earth were we thinking? I want to pause here for just a moment. Here we have... Ten spies who, along with Joshua and Caleb, had witnessed the countless miracles of God. They knew what God had promised them. They had witnessed his faithfulness over the years. Yet this was their response. You ready for it? Two words. This was their response. We can't. In essence, what they were really saying is that God can't. They had talked themselves out of doing what God had told them to do. They had projected their own fears as though true even before that even happened. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. There are times when we know that God is speaking to us. We know that he is trustworthy, yet we don't like what he's asking us to do. We start to grumble and whinge and complain. Really, Lord, can't you find someone else? Can't you do it another way? Why me? Sound familiar? Well, in my humanness, being up front is not my sweet spot. In my humanness, being on camera, ha ha ha, God's got a good sense of humour. On this platform, preaching is definitely not where I want to be. So when Jono asked me to preach almost a year ago, my natural response to him was, ha ha, you're funny. No way, I don't do that. It's not my calling. It's not my gifting. What about Tim Weatherall or Tammy? They love preaching and they're so good at it. The more I tried to get out of it, the more the Holy Spirit convicted me. Why, Joe? What is the real reason for not wanting to preach my word? Now, don't get me wrong. I am so all about people knowing God's word and flourishing in their walk with him. But let's just do it one-on-one. Or let's just do it in small groups, not from this platform. So why was I so hesitant? It was fear. Not so much the fear of being up front 
or even being vulnerable. It was more the fear of misrepresenting the truth, his truth and his heart for others. I hadn't even preached yet and I really haven't. I've shared, but I haven't ever preached. I was projecting my fears of getting it wrong onto something that hadn't even happened yet. Now, those of you who know me, any of you came and asked what you would do in this exact situation, you will know what I'd say. Firstly, pray about it. Secondly, if he calls you to it, then he'll equip you for it. He's faithful. You know that he would never ask you to do anything more than you or him can handle together. You know that he'll never fail you. So just do it. So here I am. Of course, perspective does not only affect your thinking. It also impacts the way that we relate to God. What stands out when you read the story in its entirety about Joshua and Caleb and the Israelites, and I do encourage you to do that in your own time, Joshua and Caleb were men totally sold out to God. They were men who followed him wholeheartedly. Not some of the time, but all of the time. They followed him completely with all their heart, all their soul and all their mind. They didn't let fear paralyze them. They didn't let others sway them. They didn't compromise on their convictions. They simply were obedient to God. Plenty of people say that they want to follow God, but only when it suits them in their own way and in their own timing. The scriptures describe both Joshua and Caleb as being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the key, I believe, that empowers them to serve God wholeheartedly, that they had the Spirit of God within them. I don't know how you can walk wholeheartedly with God and not be obedient. For me, they go hand in hand, even if we don't like it. We see in the scriptures that God continually offers the children of Israel these two choices, to follow him, be obedient and be blessed, or to disobey and suffer the consequences. Now for the 10, they don't follow God wholeheartedly. They are double-minded and disobedient. Their decision to not act in obedience means they miss their opportunity to take possession of the land, and as a result, they suddenly died in the wilderness. So, now an interesting thing happens right here in the story. The Israelites have had a complete turnaround after hearing about the sudden death of the ten. Listen to what they say. Now we're ready to go up to the land the Lord promised us. Surely we have sinned. Moses says, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up and they were defeated. Once again, they did not act in obedience, but presumption. Kind of sounds like they were following God, mm, but really they were doing it out of reactions. Unwilling to obey God and do it his way and trust in his timing. You know, perspective not only impacts on the way we relate to God, it also impacts on how we relate to others. Unfortunately, the Ten's bad report brought fear and discouragement and disunity to the community, and they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for the next 38 years. Their fears and objections that what the Ten proposed was not good for themselves, or was it good for the rest of their generation? Sadly, 
that whole generation grumbled and complained and whinged and lived in regret, always looking back to the past and never being content with where they were at. Eventually, they'd all die off and none of them, except for the two, Joshua and Caleb, would see the promised land. Now, let's look at the two, Joshua and Caleb. They were completely the opposite to the 10. They were bold and they were courageous. They encouraged the community to believe in God's blessing for them. They had compassion for their people, even though it meant going against the majority. Our perspective also impacts the way that we act. You know, really, when God tells us to do something, we should do what the Nike ad says. Just do it. Joshua and Caleb were these kind of guys. They were Nike kind of guys. They were uncomplicated and simply obedient. We have a saying at home that says, following God is simple, but not easy. Let me say that again. Following God is simple, but not easy. Joshua and Caleb, they saw the giants in the fortified cities, but they didn't let fear overwhelm them. They had plenty of disappointments along the way though, the Bible says. They were grieved to the point of tearing their clothes when Israel refused to move when the Lord asked them to. They had to patiently endure for another 38 years wandering in the wilderness before their hopes and their dreams of getting to the promised land would happen. It wasn't easy, but they did it anyway. Simple obedience. Later on, we read Joshua ends up leading Israel into the promised land as Moses' successor. And we find Caleb at 85, still as strong and vigorous as ever, willing to go and fight the battles for his Lord. So church, what will be our perspective going into 2021? Will we have the perspective of the two or will we have the perspective of the 10? What has God been saying to you? Perhaps it's having that conversation with someone that you've been trying to put off, hoping and praying it will resolve itself. Perhaps it's seeking forgiveness for someone or from someone who you have wronged or who has wronged you. Perhaps it's letting go of a relationship that you know isn't healthy or honouring to God. Perhaps it's to stop making excuses of why you can't, like I did, and look at what he can. You know, it was simple for me to say yes to Jono and to God, uh, to preach six or seven weeks ago when I was asked. But I can tell you, it was not easy. It was six weeks of questioning, of stressing, uh, fortunately, a lot of whinging and complaining, to the point that I wanted to call Jono and quit. There were lots of frustrations, even to the point of tears. And yes, people, I do cry. I had to miss out on some of all-night games night with my fans to spend time reading and preparing. But you know what? Those six weeks brought me closer to God. I have never, ever, ever prayed so hard in my life. My, my prayer life just went through the roof. I learned more about his love for his people and his love for me. I even started to get excited about what I was learning. So church, it's simple, but it's not easy to follow him, but it's worth it. What promise has he given you that you are still waiting to see come into fruition? Are we willing to wait patiently for his perfect timing, to not run ahead or lag behind? 
Are we willing to take that next step with him in spite of the giants and the fortified cities in front of us? Are we willing to put on the armour to fight the battle that lies ahead? Are we willing to let go of the past hurts or regrets so we don't miss out of the opportunities and the blessings of today? Not just for ourselves, but also for our future generations. Are we spending time in his word, soaking and meditating on it day and night so our hearts can be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Are we willing to be bold and courageous and stand up for our beliefs and our convictions, even if it means going against the majority? You know, James says, faith without works is dead. Fear doesn't advance the kingdom of God, but faith does. So church, let's head out into 2021 with this promise from God. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. Thanks team.